give him a shout of praise in this place. A couple years ago, we would sing it like this. My dance will crush Satan under my feet. from God, you can have it before you leave this place today. Turn and tell your neighbor, neighbor, tell them neighbor. 
tell him if you want it you can have it in Jesus name if you believe it clap your hands one more time and give him praise Whoa. you can be seated for just a moment in Jesus name I want to take a brief moment to again welcome all of our guests into the house of the Lord today. Rock Church, would you help me make some crazy noise uh, with your hands and your voice? We could do better than that. Help me welcome all of our guests into the house of the Lord this morning. Hey Amen. What an honor to have you here. If this is your first time at the Rock Church, you should have received a VIP invitation card when you came through the doors this morning. This is an invitation for you to join us immediately after the service in our VIP room. Everybody knows that VIP stands for very important person. And if you're here as a first time guest, we want you to know that you are a very important person here. Amen. We don't believe that you're here by happenstance. We believe you're here by divine appointment of God in this place. Amen. And uh, we have a, a small gift we'd like to give you and some light refreshments just as a token of appreciation on our behalf that you would come and worship with us on Sunday morning. So please, immediately following the service, we'd love to have you join us. Uh, there, there's a red carpet in the lobby. And if you find the red carpet, somebody will be there to escort you into the VIP room immediately after the service. One more time, give it up for all of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Amen. Also want to again just highlight the announcement that was made uh, for All Nations Sunday. Whoa! It's going to be an incredible time and uh, February 25th, mark your calendars. Don't you let anything in or out of hell stop you from being in the house of God on February 25th. It's an exciting time. We will have music from around the world. Our, 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 our music and fine arts department will be giving God the praise and uh, they'll be learning all kinds of different languages and songs and it's going to be a Holy Ghost time. We'll have a word from God in the house and then there will be an international food fair featuring incredible cuisine from around the world. And the best part is it ain't going to cost you anything to come and be a part of this. Amen, somebody. Matter of fact, if you want to impress some of your friends, just tell them, listen, I want you to come with me. Lunch on me today. Just tell them, lunch on me. I'll pick you up. Bring them to the house of God, and you can blow them away. It's going to be a great time. Amen, somebody? Somebody shout February 4th. February 4th will be Supernatural Sunday. Amen. This is going to be an absolutely epic service that is connected to the destiny and the trajectory of this house. And so I want everybody who is a part of this church, please, please, please move whatever you have to move around in your calendars, travel, your schedule. We want everybody here on February 4th. Uh, uh, Pastor Varnell will be with us again this year on Supernatural Sunday. And it is going to be an incredible time of vision and dreams becoming reality in this house. Amen, somebody. And so we're excited about that. Anybody come hungry for the word of the Lord in this place today? 
Stand with me all over this house, if you would, as we prepare for the entrance of God's Word into this place. Uh, I am excited this morning to have with us someone who is no stranger to this pulpit, all the way from Birmingham, Alabama, our dear friend, uh, Evangelist Irvin is in the house. Would you help me give God a praise for him? The Jermaine Irvin is an incredible young man of God. Had the privilege of knowing him for some years now and have watched God place his hand on him and put an incredible anointing in his spirit. And uh, he, he is here this morning, uh, even though the airlines lost all of his luggage and his clothes, all of his stuff. And uh, so normally he, he's like a runway model when he gets on the platform with them suits. I know I'm embarrassing him because he ain't trying to be a model. Uh, but but uh, you know what? That anointing isn't attached to the clothes we wear. Come on, somebody. It's not attached to how fancy of shoes you got, what kind of car you pull up in, what kind of house you drive. I wish somebody would give God the praise. He's here on assignment today. We're excited he's here. How many of you ready to get with the preaching of the word this morning? One more time, would you give God a resounding applause of worship in this house as the man of God comes to deliver the word to us this morning? Somebody give God a shout of praise in the house. Come on, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Somebody shout unto God with the voice of victory in the house. Come on, if you got the victory, you ought to give them praise right now. You ought to lift up a shout of praise right now. If he's been good to you, you ought to give him a shout. Praise God, praise God. Praise God. Such a good day to be in the house of the Lord. There's no place I'd rather be. The psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Is anybody glad to be in God's house on a Sunday morning to give praise and adoration to the King today? Praise God, praise God, praise God. He's in the room today. If you're a guest here, I want to let you know you've come to the right place today. If you've had chains on you, you've come to the right house today. Can I tell you, Jesus is in the room right now and he wants to break every single chain in the sanctuary today. Come on, I feel good in my spirit. I feel like God's gonna do something great in this sanctuary right now. Can you clap your hands one more time all over the house? Amen. If you got your Bibles, Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12, while you're turning there, let me say what an honor it is to be back in this house. What an incredible church. Is anybody thankful you go to church at The Rock? Amen. What great leadership. We give honor to the angel of the house, Bishop Williams and his wife, his family. What wonderful people. You are blessed people. You ought to thank God every day for a man of God. Amen. We give honor to them. What wonderful people in the kingdom of God. There's not many people like them. Um, the dynamic duo that they are and family that they are and you ought to be thankful every single day that you get to come to church here where you have somebody that'll watch over your soul amen I'm glad to be connected with them 
and uh, my family sends their regards. They're back in Birmingham having church right now, but they, they miss the Rock Church, so they told me to tell you, hey, and uh, I want to thank my, 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 the guy that picked me up, Brother John, for picking me up for the airport and running me all around town to find a shirt and some pants so I can preach this morning. I want to thank Brother Trevor for the shoes. I'm not wearing anything that's mine, but I'll tell you what, I feel like the devil's going to have a bad day. I feel like preaching on a Sunday morning. Exodus chapter 12, when you got it, say amen. If you need it, say wait on me. Amen. Exodus, the second book of the Bible. Praise God. Exodus chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month, somebody say this month, shall be unto you the beginning of months. Somebody say the beginning. It shall be the first month of the year to you. He said, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. For just a couple moments, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to preach to you on this thought. And I want to let somebody in this house know what happens when God hits reset. When God hits reset. I wonder, can we put our Bibles down all over the house? Mighty God, we need you in this house right now, God. Anoint my lips of clay, oh God. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, oh God, let it be acceptable in your sight, God. We need a move of your spirit today. And God, we won't hesitate to give you the praise for all that you're going to do in this house, oh God. We need you in the room, oh God. We need a move of your spirit today, oh God. And we thank you for it in advance, oh God. I pray you would do a mighty work in the sanctuary. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Come on, say it again in Jesus' name. Amen. Clap your hands one more time as loud as you can. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. The Bible says that Joseph died and all of his brethren and all of that generation and the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty and the land was filled with them. But there, there arose a new king in, over Egypt which knew not Joseph. Joseph, the dreamer turned right-hand man of Pharaoh. Joseph was thrown into a pit and sold into slavery. Joseph, who by account of everybody, including his father, he was lied on. He was thrown into jail. He was deemed the best prisoner. Can I stop for just a minute and let you know that it doesn't matter what life hands you. It doesn't matter what you find yourself in right now. You still got to be the best at everything that you do. You still got to get up in the morning and work on behalf of the kingdom. You still got to do everything that God said you ought to do. Hey, it doesn't matter what life has thrown my way. I'm still going to give God praise. It doesn't matter what I'm dealing with right now. God's still worthy of the praise. I wonder, can we give him praise right now? 
Joseph was still deemed the best prisoner he was lied on. He was cheated, but he became the second man in command of the land of Egypt. And now we find ourselves 300 years since the death of Joseph at the beginning of Genesis and at the end of Genesis and the beginning of Exodus. The children of Israel had lost their privileged status in Egypt and Pharaoh has long forgotten about the debt that he owes the man Joseph and things have changed in Egypt and Pharaoh begins to capitalize on the ready-made workforce that Joseph brought into Egypt. It was the Israelites. These were God's people and now they find themselves a slave nation under the man Pharaoh and the Bible says in Exodus chapter 1 and verse 12 that the more they afflicted them the more they multiplied and grew and they were grieved because of the children of Israel and the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor and made their lives bitter with hard bondage and mortar and in brick and all manner of service of the field and all their service wherein they were made to serve was with rigor. And Pharaoh thought we got to do something with these people right now. He said, if we don't stop these people right now, if we don't begin to bind the, the people of God right now, then they're going to figure out who they are. Can I tell you, Pharaoh was afraid that if the people of God ever figured out who they were, and if the people of God ever figured out whose they were, then they will be able to turn Egypt upside down. I come to preach to somebody right now. You may have forgot who you are today, but you are a child of the king. You've been bought with a price. You're the head and not the tail. You're a Above and not beneath. Pharaoh said, we got to bind them right now. If we can bind them right now, they'll never figure out who they are. Can I tell you, that's what your adversary is doing to you right now. He's trying to stop you in your tracks before you ever get a realization or a revelation of who God has created you to be. He wants to shut up the, the destiny that's on the inside of you. But that's why we come to the house of God so we can know that we were bought by God and that we were made in the image of God. I come to preach to somebody right now. You must have forgot who you are. Can I remind you today that you're a child of the king? My my God, you are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You've been bought with a price. You're the Pharaoh said, let's stop them right there. They keep growing. Every time we put our fist on them, they keep on growing and they keep on, they keep on multiplying and there is no stopping the people of God. But what we need to do right now is we need to bind that revelation of who God has created them to be. We need, I'm preaching to somebody right now that the devil's been lying to you. He's been trying to knock you off of your destiny and knock you off of your purpose. But I've come to declare on a Sunday morning that you got to get a hold of who God has called you to be and you got to remember that you're my somebody ought to hear me today you ought to know that you're a child of the king and there's no devil in hell that can stop you when you get a hold of your purpose he said we need to we need to figure something out because if they if they get a realization I'm trying to preach to somebody in Fort Myers today and let you know 
that the adversary, I'm telling you, you wonder why is he fighting me so much? Why is the adversary always got his hands on me when I try to get free? I feel like he tries to get a hold of me. I'm telling you, he doesn't want you to figure out what you're capable of. He doesn't want you to figure out the strength that God has put in you. He doesn't want you to figure out the power that's living on the inside of every individual under the sound of my voice. I wonder if I got one person that knows who's on the inside. I wonder if I got one blood-bought apostolic that's got the Holy Ghost in their heart. He doesn't want you to know who you are. And more importantly, he doesn't want, to want you to know whose you are. It's one thing to be somebody in yourself, but it's another thing altogether. When you step to the battlefield and you've got the almighty God standing by your side, can I tell you, greater is he that is on the inside of me than he that is in the world. And if God be for me, who can stand against me? I come to give you ammunition for your enemy today. He's been messing with you. He's been walking up and down in your life, but you got to remember whose you are today. So Pharaoh said, we got to bind them up. But the more they afflicted them, hear me today. This is a word for you today. The more that you are afflicted, the more you're going to multiply and grow. The more that he puts that fist on you, the more that God's going to raise something up in you. Can I tell you, greatness is not born in moments of comfort or convenience, but greatness is born in the middle of the crime. Greatness is born in the middle of the test. A testimony is made when you go through a test today. I just come to encourage somebody and tell you if you're going through hell right now, you're going to multiply and grow. If you're going through a dark place right now, you're going to multiply and grow. If you feel like you've been barren in your spirit, God's about to bring something forth in your world today. I wonder if I got somebody that believes it right now. You ought to clap your hands. You ought to give God a great praise. He wanted to stop them. He wanted to bind them, but, but he couldn't bind them. He told, he told the, the, the midwives, he said, I want you to kill all the boys. Can I tell you, that spirit that's running rapping in our world, it didn't start today. But that spirit to kill and defy destiny, it started from times of old. And so we, we live in a world right now where it's nothing to just destroy little babies. But the church of the living God, we understand that in each and every individual, there is life and there is purpose. And there is something God created them to be. You say, Brother Irvin, don't get political. I'm not getting political. I'm getting biblical today. And so he said, I want you to kill all of the boys. He said, we got to stop the growth somehow. I don't understand that when we press on them a little bit more, how they keep on popping up and keep on, they keep on producing like this. But it was the will of God that the people of God would grow and multiply. It was the will of God that the people of God would be the strongest force on the earth today. Can I tell you today that the adversary wants to pull out all the stops in this last day. He wants to bury the church of the living God. But there ain't no devil in hell that can stop what God 
God is doing. There's no devil in hell that can stop the church of the living God. And so they would, they would kill, they would try to get them to, to kill the boys and the midwives, they, they feared God. They had something in their spirit that said, you know what, we're not going to do that. And so he said, what we're going to do is we're going to cast those boys on the river now. And they would throw babies in the water. But there was a woman, there was somebody that had something in her spirit. Her name was Jacobed. And she had this little boy. And the Bible says that when she saw that he was a goodly child, that she hid him. And then she made an ark of bulrushes. Stay with me. We're going to somewhere she made an ark of bulrushes and she put that baby in that ark and she did something that was so crazy she sent him on the same river that every other boy was killed in with all the faith of God she put that baby back in the hands of God and he floats to Pharaoh's daughter and she names him Moses and through the process of time Moses realizes as he grows up in an Egyptian home he realizes these people are not my people and he figures out who he is and so he starts to live for God and now he's living in this in, in Egypt but he understands I'm not meant to be like these people sometimes you got to realize as you walk throughout this world that even though even though you have to walk in the world you're not of the world I come to tell somebody you always got to remember who God has called you to be and so through the process of time Moses Bible says that he kills an Egyptian. I'm just laying a little foundation. He kills an Egyptian and he hides him in the sand. And the thing was known and Moses flees Egypt and he goes to the land of Midian. And in Midian, he, he stays there. He's got his father-in-law Jethro's there and he becomes a shepherd. And in this season of his life, he had to learn how to live on the backside of the hill away from what he thought his calling should be. And so can I tell you today that even though he was a shepherd, he didn't understand that the work that he was doing right I'm about to preach to somebody right now the work that he was doing right now was exactly what he was going to need to fulfill his destiny can I tell you today don't despise the day of being a shepherd on the backside of a hill because what you're doing today is going to elevate you for your tomorrow what you're doing in this season right now is exactly what you're going to need to walk in the destiny that God has called you to tomorrow So this work is exactly what he needed in order to fulfill the plan of God. And it was at the, through the process of time that he was walking by and he saw a bush that was on fire, but it wasn't consumed. And, and God would speak to him out of that bush and God would begin to unfold what was about to happen with his people and what was about to happen to Moses' life. All of the plagues, all of the things that God was about to do, God was about to start the process of bringing his people from bondage to freedom. And so this process would go on and this process would start to kick on and it's now time for Moses to put in action what he's been practicing for the last 40 years as Moses stands face to face with the man Pharaoh and he would declare the famous words, let my people go. God would send the plagues. God was about to bring them out of bondage and lead them into promise, a land that flowed with milk and honey. And back at our text, Exodus chapter 12, the Lord began to speak 
to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt and he said these words. He said, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. You've got to understand 430 years of bondage, a situation that has been less than ideal, frustrated at life, frustrated at their situation, frustrated in their circumstance. At this point, they're probably frustrated with God. God, it's been 430 years. Where are you, God? Am I preaching to anybody today? God, where are you right now? We, we have been in this bondage for 430 years. This has been generation after generation. God, I can't find you right now. I, I think about the man Job who said, I look to my right and I can't find God. I look on my left hand where he does work, but I can't find God. I look behind me and I look before me, but I can't find God anywhere. And then he says these words. Because even when you can't find God, he knows exactly where you are. Job said, I tried to find God. And then he says, but he knoweth the way that I take. Can I tell you right now? That when you're looking all around from, for God and you're trying to figure out where God is, can I tell you, it's not lost on God where you are. God sees you in the mess. God sees you in the trouble. God sees you in your present circumstance. And God knows exactly where you are. I want to encourage somebody today and let you know you thought God forgot about you. But baby, God's not forgot. God knows where you are today. God knows your location today. God knows exactly where you are right now frustrated with their situation and frustrated with God and wondering God where are you and all along God's been watching them in their situation and God had been preparing a deliverer for them and they had no idea was about to what was about to be on the horizon and so they cried out to God God where have you been feeling like God has long since forgotten about them and everything that they had been through and God gives them a declaration of what I want to preach to you today God said this month shall be unto you the beginning of months it shall be the first month of the year to you for everybody else life is going to go on business as usual but I believe God was trying to communicate this to his people but for my people for my people he said I'm about to hit the reset button and I'm about to make things all new I'm about to start this thing over I know you've been knocked down baby I know you've been laying flat on your back but I'm about to hit the reset button and all things are going to be made new I wonder if I got somebody right now that needs a fresh start. I wonder if I got somebody right now that needs God to turn it around right now. He said, it's going to continue. He said, but today I'm going to change your destiny. He said, I know what you've been through. I know where you are in your present situation. And I know what you've been walking through. Um, I watch you in your, in your situation as you were trekking along for 130 years trying to figure out when freedom was going to come. I'm preaching to somebody right now. You've been wondering, God, when are you going to break these chains off of my life? God, when are you going to do something about my situation? God, I've been in bondage for a long time. God, I need you to show up. And God shows up on a Sunday morning to let you know I'm about to hit the reset button. I'm about to make all things new. I'm about to clean the slate today I'm about to do my God, my God. 
He said, it's not going to be like it used to be. But this is going to be the first month of the year to you. And God has reset for his people. And to reset simply means to set up again. The people of Israel were knocked down for a long time. 430 years of bondage, laying flat on their back under the iron fist of Pharaoh. They were down and out. They were down on their luck. But God said, I'm about to reset you again. I'm about to pick you up from where you are. And I'm about to set you up again. I'm about to give you a new start. I'm about to give you a new opportunity. I'm about to give you something that you've never seen before. But after 430 years, oftentimes we resign ourselves to the fate that this is how it's always got to be. Because after all, this is all I know. And so this is how it's always got to be. And so I resign myself to the fate that nothing's ever going to change. But can I preach to you and remind you that the devil is still a liar? You say, preacher, you don't know what neighborhood I grew up in. You don't know how much money I got in my pocket. You don't know the mess and the trauma that I've come out of. You don't understand the, the broken down situations and the chaos that I've been in. Can I preach to you today? I'm trying to be sensitive today, but I want to let you know that you're not special. God died for the sins of the world. God died for me, but God also died for you. Don't you forget that God can make all things new. Don't ever forget that God can step in the middle of your situation and turn it around on a dime today. He's the God. He's the God that can hit the reset button. He's the God that can give you a clean slate. He's the God. It's almost like I see God looking in the heavens. And as you bring your broken life to God and everybody around says there's nothing that can be done with them. There's nothing that can be fixed with them. They're lost and gone and nothing can be changed. And God said, you know what? Today is going to be the day. Can I tell somebody right now that can day, today can be your day. Today can be the moment. Today can be the hour where God hits the reset button and he makes all things new today. But you got to get past the place. Would you just keep looking at what it used to be and how you are right now and that nobody can change you. You've tried this and you've tried this, but can I tell you, maybe you ought to give Jesus a try. Maybe you ought to give Jesus a chance today. Maybe you ought to see if God can fix you today. I dare you, after we get done preaching or even before, it doesn't matter when you feel it. If you want to change, God's ready for you to change. Just come to the altar, lift up your hands, and watch God start everything over. Watch God make everything new today. So to reset is to set again. There was a moment where they were knocked down, but there came a time when God said, you know, the best thing that I can do is I can give them a fresh start and pick them up again to reset them. David said it this way in Psalm chapter 40. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined unto me and heard my cry. 
He brought me up also out of a horrible pit and out of the miry clay. I'm preaching to somebody right now. You feel like you're in the miry clay. You feel like every time you try to take a step forward that something keeps holding you back down and you're walking in clay and you can't get any traction and you're knocked out on your back and you're wondering, God, I can't even get myself up. I don't have the power to get myself up. But the Bible says that he'll pick you up out of the miry clay we serve a God that'll pick you up when you're down we serve a God that'll drag you out of the miry clay and then he says he picked me up out of the miry clay and out of the horrible pit and he set my foot upon a rock can I preach to you a God that won't just pull you out of the miry clay and pull you out of your mess and throw you on unstable ground. But can I preach to you a God that when he pulls you up out of your junk and out of your mess and out of your chaos, that he'll put you down on the rock, on a sure foundation, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand, but God won't just leave you in the miry clay. He'll pick you up out of the miry clay and he'll set your foot on a sure foundation but he doesn't stop there he pulled me out of the horrible pit out of the miry clay he set my foot upon a rock but he doesn't stop there Bible says that he'll establish your goings can I preach this for a little while he will establish your goings which means not only will he pull me out of the muck and the mire and the miry clay and he'll set my foot up on a rock. Let me tell you something about what happens when you get knocked down for a long time. When you get knocked down for a long time, sometimes even when they pick you back up, you lose orientation. I'm preaching to somebody. You lose orientation of which way you should go. So not only will God set your foot up on a rock, but God will establish your goings, which means God will let you know you need to go this way, baby. I know you've been knocked down I know you've been down and out I know you don't know which way to turn but we serve a God that'll let me know which way to go I've been knocked down and down and out he put my foot up on a rock but at my, oh my God. when you get up you'll you stumble a little bit anybody know what I'm talking about well you're trying to recover from the fall and you're trying to recover from being in the pit. And you're trying to recover. And sometimes you just need some orientation. Oh, God, I know you picked me up and set me on a solid rock. But, God, can you tell me which way I need to go? We serve a God today. I want you to hear me in the Holy Ghost. We serve a God. Somebody in this sanctuary, you've been praying for direction for a long time. You've been saying, God, I don't know which way to turn. God, I don't know which way to go. Can I remind you that we serve a God that will establish your goings. We serve a God that when he picks you up and sets you on a rock, he'll tell you, baby, you need to go this way, or you need to go this way, or you need to go that way. Is anybody thankful for that God? You ought to give him a great praise today. And he hath put a new song in my mouth. Can I tell you when God hits the reset button, he's going to put a new song in your mouth. 
even praise unto our God and many shall see it. Can I tell you when, you when you get that reset button and God makes everything new in your life, you won't get up singing the old songs again, but you're going to have a new song in your mouth and everybody that knew you from the neighborhood, they're going to say something has changed in him. Something has changed in her. She didn't used to act like that. She didn't used to talk like that. She didn't used to live like that. But oh, what a change we see in her today. I wonder if that's your testimony that God put a new song in your mouth. You ought to give him a little bit of praise right now. You ought to magnify him. You ought to thank him today. Many shall see it and shall fear and shall trust in the Lord. There was a man, the demoniac at Gadara. He would break the chains and the fetters that was on him, but he lived among the caves. He had demons on the inside of him, and they asked him what his name was, and he said that the demon spoke out and said, we are legion, for we are many. And everybody would pass by the tomb, and they would see him tearing himself and breaking the fetters and the chains and living among the caves because he couldn't live where same people live. People would pass by his way and they made note of that man. Some, I'm sure, as they begin to walk by the tombs, they walked circumspectly around the tombs because they didn't want anything to do with this man. But there was a day, I said there was a day when Jesus loaded up on a boat and he told his disciples, he said, we're going to the other side. My And we get so caught up in the storm and in all of the rain that fell and the boat that was rocking and we preach that all the time. But I want to remind you that when Jesus set sail on the boat, he was going to see about a man that nobody want to deal with. He was going to deliver a man that couldn't be, my God, that couldn't be delivered but by the hand of God. And when he stepped foot off of that boat, he said, my the demoniac at Gadara and the demons, they recognize there's something that shifted in the atmosphere. There's something that changed in the atmosphere. And Jesus, he wasn't afraid of the demoniac at Gadara. Can I remind you, God's not afraid of your sin. God's not afraid of your dysfunction. The church is not afraid of your dysfunction. The church is not afraid of your drug addiction. The church is not afraid of you. My God, I wish I had a witness. But God dealt with the demoniac at Gadara. And the demons start negotiating with God. They cast the swine into the ocean. The Bible says that the man was healed the demons were cast out of him and they started to try to push him out of the coast. But they made observation this time as they passed through, through the, the tombs and as they passed through where he was. They said, this man, there is something that's changed in this man. He doesn't look like he used to look. He's not acting like he used to act. Can I tell you, that's exactly what happens when you come to the house of God and you let God get a hold of you. God will break the chains in your situation. God will break the chains in your life. God will do the miraculous in your world. They said, but he's clothed and he's in his right mind. Can I tell somebody today that you've been trying to break the chains of your situation for a long time, but can I let you know that God has the key to the chain that's on your life? 
You tried to call a locksmith. You tried to get somebody to cut a special custom key for you to try to fit in that lock that's been binding you for a long time. But can I preach to you about a man named Jesus who stretched his arms and died for us on a rugged cross? Can I tell you that he got the key to death, hell, and the grave? But not only does he have the keys to those, but he's got a key to your chain that's on your life. He's got a key to the bondage that you've been in. He's got a key to the jail cell that you find yourself in right now. They're going to see you and they're going to say he's clothed and he's in his right mind what a change has happened in this man I wonder if that's your testimony if you can give God a little bit of praise if you can give God a little bit of glory if you can testify with your praise that God broke the chains in my life that God brought me out God set me free praise God but as we walk through this life we make mistakes, we fall down, we fail sometimes, and I promise you, I'm the first one to let you know, sometimes I wish I could just start over again. Sometimes I wish there was a red reset button that I can hit on my life, that I can start this thing over again. But we serve a God that put that in his pattern. He said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to let you repent. And then you're going to be baptized. And when you get baptized, my God, when you get baptized in Jesus' name, all of your sins are washed away. All things are passed away. And behold, all things are become new. We serve a God that'll hit the reset button. We serve a God that'll make all things new <laughs> it's that boxer when the boxer's in the ring and the fight's not going the way he thought it should go he got knocked down one too many times and he sees cobwebs and he's he's trying to get up and he's trying to stay in the fight and and and, and all he wants in the fight it's the ninth round he just wants that bell to ring because when the bell rings, you can get back to your corner and you can start over again. And there's been, there's been documents of, of fight after fight where it looked like somebody was losing the fight. And somewhere along the way, that bell rung and they were able to get back in their corner. And when they got back in their corner and they got a pat down, they got back up and they said, I'm ready to go now. I'm ready to roll now. And they go in with a fervor that they never had before. The only thing that changed in them was they had a little reset button that somebody hit that said I gotta have another chance I gotta have another try you tried to knock me down I'm preaching to somebody the devil tried to knock you down the devil thought he had you he thought you were about to die but God hit the reset button and he gave you another chance he gave you another opportunity he gave you another moment it's when the runner they blow the gun for the race. And this guy's been training for the whole year to, to run this race. Four years if it's the Olympics. They train and they train and they got one shot. And they blow the gun, but they didn't quite get off the line and they don't have a prayer to win. I'm telling you with God, is anybody thankful that you get more than one shot?
I'm sorry to mess up your picture of what a perfect church should look like, but can I tell you what a perfect church should look like? A perfect church is not a church that's full of people that, that have never done wrong, but a perfect church is a church that says, come on in. If you're broken, come on in. If you're scarred, come on in. We're going to give you another chance. We're going to give you another opportunity. But pastor, I fell again. Get back up, baby. Get back up and try it again. You The Bible says a righteous man falls one time. He fell a couple times, so he's better than everybody else. A righteous man falls seven times. But it's not about how many times he falls. See, that's what we miss. Who drew the line and said this is how many times you can fall? But what makes him righteous is the fact that when he falls and he's laying out on the canvas and when hell has thought that he had him bound and that he had him down, what makes the man righteous is that he gets back up again. I come to tell somebody in the Holy Ghost right now that you may have fell down, but you got to get back up, baby. Hell may have knocked you down. Hell may. I wonder if somebody in this house will get back up today. into the pattern of God the whole idea if you ask brother Irvin today what is the Bible narrative about I would tell you one word if you gave me one word I didn't have any other word I would say it's about reconciliation and oftentimes we fail to remember that his mercies are new every day and that every day is another opportunity for me to get back up and to get it right. I come to tell somebody, we serve a God that'll give you another chance. We serve a God that'll give you another opportunity. We serve a God that'll hit the reset button in your life and he's going to give you another chance to get it right. I'm thankful for a God that'll give me another try. That's the type of God we serve. We don't serve a God that will condemn. We serve a God that will convict. And when that conviction comes to your life, you have to respond. Oftentimes, God will hit the reset for somebody. But they won't capitalize on the opportunity of the reset. Can I tell you? It's January right now. I can't explain it to you. But there's something that happens in the minds of people. If you like preaching or you don't, I'm telling you, you're going to get on board with me right now. There's something that happens in the year when we get to December. When we're looking towards the horizon of a new day and a new year. Even though you've been messed up all year long, there is something that's built into humanity that says, man, something's going to change on January the 1st. 
I can't explain it to you, but I know it's real because as we approach a new year, people say, you know what? This year is not going to be like last year. Can I tell you truthfully, you can do that in the middle of March. Some people say in the middle of March, the year's just started. They say, you know what? This year I'm done. I just, I'm ready to go to next year. Y'all know what I'm talking about? But there's something that happens in the minds of people on December the 31st, as the clock begins to count down, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, it's the place where you bury that old man and you step into what is new. Can I preach to you? That's what I'm talking about here this morning where you say, you know what? I'm burying what was behind and I'm moving into what God has for me. All things are passed away and behold, all things are become new. It's ironic to me that at 12 o'clock on January the 1st, in the middle of the darkest hour of the night, there's victory and there's a sound of rejoicing because there's a newness of life. Some people say, why, why did Paul and Silas praise at 12 o'clock? The Bible says, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. They were in the darkest hour of the night in the darkest uh, part of the jail in the innermost part of the jail darkness was all around them but Paul and Silas got something in their spirit they said they were going to give praise to God in the midnight hour my speculation is as good as anybody's but why did they praise in the midnight hour do we know if they praised the day before or do we know if they praised the day after can I propose to you today that it's possible that Paul and Silas prayed in the midnight hour and sang praises in the midnight hour and begin to rejoice to God in the midnight hour because it's not the sunrise that signifies the dawn of a new day but can I tell you, it's already a new day when the clock strikes 12 o'clock. Can I tell you, you don't even have to wait for the sunrise. The Bible says that joy comes in the morning. I, I know we can preach how long, a long time about the sun rising. But I want to tell you that maybe Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God because they knew that midnight means the dawning of a new day. I come to tell somebody, midnight is coming to your life. There's a new day coming to your world world there's a new opportunity coming I'm almost done preaching but here's the caveat when God hits the reset button on your life every devil in hell wants to rob you of that reset can I tell you one of the one of the biggest tools that he'll use to rob you of the reset that God put in your life? It's what he did with Israel. When they, when they were in bondage for 430 years and God was bringing them out, there was something that the devil always did. He always kept them looking back. Can I tell you today that looking back is a detriment on your future? The devil had them 
turn their head and leave the newness of what God was trying to do. And he constantly had them looking back. Back towards what? Back towards the chains. Back towards bondage. Back towards the lease and the onions. Back towards the taskmaster. Telling them when they had to eat. And telling them when they had to wake up. And telling them how long they had to work. Can I tell you today that it's not the will of God that you get satisfied living in bondage. It's not the will of God that you get comfortable living in the middle of your mess. It's not the will of God today that you get an attitude that says, I just want to stay right here and I'm not going to press into what God is calling me to. But he kept them looking back. Because the fear that lied of the unknown of what was ahead, the promised land that flowed with milk and honey, seemed more dangerous and more treacherous because there were giants in that land. It seemed more dangerous and more treacherous than the past of the iron fist of Pharaoh. And so they kept on looking back. Jesus in Luke chapter 17 is talking to his disciples and he says one man's on the rooftop and the son of man is about to come and he hears that the son of man is coming. It's foolish for that man to go back down into that house and go and try to gather up everything that he has and then he says these three words. And I'm telling you these three words preach and they mean so much more than just three words. He says to his disciples, he said, I want you to remember Lot's wife. And when he said, remember Lot's wife, he reached all the way back and brought something to their, to their face. And he said, I want you to consider Lot's wife right now. It was Lot's wife that dwelt with her husband and her children in Sodom. A city that was away from God. These were God's people. And Lot and his wife, the Bible says that, that God was about to destroy the city. And as God was about to destroy the city, God sent two angels to Lot and his family to let them know that, that the city was about to be destroyed. This was grace and this was mercy. And he goes to the house and we know the story that were, there were men that pressed on the house to get to the angels. It was a wicked place. And so he said, you know what? He said, I'm going to send my two daughters out. There were two daughters in the house. And he said, I'm going to send my two daughters out to you and do whatever you want to do. The angels grabbed those girls and, and, and the Bible says that they struck them with blindness. And these men were blind, but they still tried to find the door. That's where sin will take you. Bible says the angel he got lot he said do you have any other family that's here he said yeah we got some son-in-laws and some daughters and, and, and here right here there's much debate about how many daughters saw I mean lot and, and his wife had there's much debate whether there was two whether there was four well you know brother Williams can straighten it all out but if we read that there are four daughters there as he goes to those son-in-laws he says you know what God is about to destroy this place and God is about to get this place uh, it's going to be wiped off the face of the earth you got to get out of here Bible says that those son-in-laws didn't listen up. They, they thought he was joking. The Bible says that they mocked him and they said, go your way. He goes back to the house. Hear me today. He goes back to the house and that angel said in the morning time, the angel said, I want you to pack up everything that you have. He said, he said this specifically. He said, take your two daughters that are here. He took them by the hand. 
started to walk them out of that city. And he gives them one command, two commands. He said, go to the mountain. And then he says, don't look back. We like to, we like to really give it to Lot's wife. But if there were four daughters in that city, as she's leaving the city, as she's leaving the place, she, she's walking towards what God is calling her to in the next phase of her life. But if there are two more daughters still in the city that is about to be destroyed, I can almost understand the, 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 the temptation of what it is to look back and the temptation of what it is to reach back because, oh, after all, I'm leaving something behind. And so Lot's wife, as we know, she looks back and she's turned into a pillar of salt. And it is a testimony. To all that would hear when he rings the words, remember Lot's wife out of what it is to not look back. But it was a testimony also of what it is to relinquish the future of what God is calling you to on behalf of what used to be in the past. But I come to tell somebody in the sanctuary, today is the day where I say I'm not looking back, God. I'm not going back to what it was. I'm not moving back to what it was. But God, I'm moving forward. It's the idea that what's ahead of me is more fearful than what I already know. The devil that I, that I know is, I'm more comfortable with him because the devil that I don't know, I don't know what's going to come. But hear me today, you've got to embrace God today. And when God gives you a reset, you've got to just say, you know what? I'm not looking back. I'm not turning back. I'm not going back to what 23 was because in 24, I'm going to have revival in my family. I'm going to have revival in this city. I'm going to do everything that I I'm telling somebody right now in the Holy Ghost, there's some things in your 23 that you don't need to drag into 24. There's some people in 23, hear me today. There's some people that you drag from 21 to 22 to 23. And you've already brought them in this first part of 24, but I come to preach to somebody and let you know it's time to not look back and it's time to move forward into the promise that God is calling you to. Hey, Israel, God's got promise on the horizon. You can't keep looking back to bondage, but God's got something greater. I come to preach to somebody and let you know there's greater things ahead. There's better things ahead. God's got greatness for you today. They come to the music. Stand with me all over this house. It's Pharaoh's trick because Pharaoh is a type of the devil to constantly get the people to look back. When God was calling them into a land that flowed with milk and honey and to cross the Red Sea, it was in Exodus chapter 10 where Pharaoh, they would say, you know what, we've got to go worship our God, so we need to take our stuff. And Pharaoh would respond to them, and he would say, no, just leave something here. Moses would respond. He said, you know what, we're not leaving one hoof behind. And I always read that, that he was very arrogant, and he 
He had a declaration that he was making to Pharaoh, and I believe some of that is true. But in verse 26, we read that he said, we're not leaving anything behind because we don't know what God is going to require for us to sacrifice. The misconception, hear me today, I'm almost done preaching. The misconception is that when you come to God, you got to leave some things at the door. But can I tell you, when you come to God, you got to bring everything with you. When you come to God, you got to bring all of your mess. You got to bring all of your junk. You got to bring all of your bad relationships. You got to bring your cigarettes. You got to bring your alcohol. You got to bring your drugs. Don't get nervous on me, church. But I know what it is to have altar calls where people, they'll come into the house of God and they'll empty out their pockets and they'll put cigarettes and they'll put drugs and they'll put needles and they'll put all these things on the altar and that's exactly what I'm talking about. The misconception is that if I leave everything at the door, it's just like Pharaoh. Just leave this here because when you leave the encounter with God, you can go right back doing what you were doing. But it's in services just like this. What somebody says, I'm sick and tired of living the way that I'm living. I'm sick and tired of carrying the baggage of my life. I'm sick and tired of carrying all of this junk on my back. And you ought to get down to an altar because you don't know what God's going to require for you to sacrifice. Hey, I don't want to come to the house of God. And God's asking for my bad relationships. And God's asking for my drugs. And I've left it out in the car. But I bring everything with me to God. My God, we so prideful. Because when we come to church, we want to act like we got it all together. And if we see somebody that's coming in church with all of the bondage and all of the package of their life, then, 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 then they think that we might judge them. But can I remind you that this is a hospital? I think we should see less people walking in here acting like everything is all good and more people that feel comfortable bringing all of their bondage and their baggage to an apostolic altar. Can I tell somebody in this house today that today can be the beginning of a new life for you. Can I tell you that God wants to hit the reset button on your life today? I'm preaching to somebody that you're sick and tired of being sick and tired and you're sick and tired of living like you've been living and you want to change in your world. Can I tell you right now that that starts with repentance? Repentance is I'm living a life of sin. And I'm walking in the way that I want to walk. And I'm living in the way that I want to live. But I'm sick and tired of living like that. And repentance is a turning away and a turning my back on sin. And I'm walking towards what God has called me to be. The second thing that you've got to do is you've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. Do I got a witness in the house? 
And when you get, I'm telling you, when you get baptized in Jesus' name, I baptize people. And when I brought them up out of the water, they say, man, I don't even recognize who I am right now. I baptized people. And when I brought them up, they got up rejoicing because they knew something died in the water. The old man is fine. But it's God's system and it's God's plan that when we get baptized in Jesus' name, all of our sins are washed away. The next thing that you've got to do is you've got to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you, if you're in this house right now and you're living in 2024 and you don't have the Holy Ghost, don't sell yourself short. But you need to get the Holy Ghost today. The Greek word for Holy Ghost is paraclete. It means the one that stands alongside. Walking in this life, I don't want to walk by myself. So I need the paraclete to come alongside me and stand beside me. But not only will God stand beside me, he'll stand in front of you. The Bible says some men's sins go behind them and some men's sins go before them. You want your sins to go before. He'll stand before you and he'll pave the way. Not only will he do that, but he'll stand behind you. We serve a God that when the accuser of the brethren comes to accuse the people, you've got a God on every side of you, helping you every step along the way. You need the Holy Ghost today. If you want to change in your world, Today is your day. You've come to the right place today. Your victory, your miracle, your breakthrough is in this house right now. God wants to put the, push the reset button for somebody right now in this house. I wonder, can we lift our hands all over the sanctuary? I wonder, can you begin to pray right now? I wonder, can you lift up your voice if you... If you need the Holy Ghost, God will fill you with the Holy Ghost today. If you want to be baptized in Jesus' name, we'll baptize you in the only saving name and all of your sins will be washed away. God wants to hit the reset button for his people today. Come on, sir, today is your day. Come on, ma'am, today is your day right now. Will you come and pray right now? Come on, God's going to change your world today. The Holy Ghost is going to be poured out. Chains are going to be broken today.
beginning. It's a brand new beginning. Somebody ought to open your mouth and rejoice. The sun is about to rise again. The season is about to change.
Ghost, lift your hands. Come on, all over this house, one more time, declare it. one more time this morning come on somebody ought to rejoice one more time in this sanctuary come on there's a dawning of a new day in this place I hear the sound of a brand new season hey somebody's gonna walk out of this house into a brand new day into a brand new life. Can somebody just thank him this morning?